0: to the Dr. Supercoach podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo. Footy is back and we've finally got some actual men's football to break down and see what changes may have come from the rule changes for 2019. To help me break down some of the JLT matches that we've got, I've got JB on with me tonight, mate. Uh... You've finally been allowed to be on a podcast for me, uh, JB. Uh, how are you feeling about that? It's good to uh, be finally back together.
1: Yeah, it's an absolute honour to be podcasting with you, Cheese. I've been waiting my whole life for this.
0: Oh, good. So, um, you haven't planned that at all? That There's no script
1: in front of you or anything like that? Cheezo, I'm reading exactly what you sent me, dude. <laughs> that part was in brackets, mate. You weren't supposed to say that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my bad. But yes, looking forward to the podcast. It's great to... Uh, Right to recap the JLT one, and hopefully uh, get people off those trigger fingers. It was
0: good to actually finally see some you know, some footy. We've we've heard for weeks about uh, trial matches and intra clubs and under twenty three games and. Uh, only the forwards play each other and then only the rucks, just every other possible combination <laughs> other than two teams going head to head on live television So
1: It's been a bit of a tease hasn't it?
0: It has a little bit and you know what happens is when you don't have live footy to see with your own eyes and for things to pass the eye test you just fall prey to everyone's every single person on Twitter that has an opinion just somehow manages to sway you and it just, even if you don't believe it at the time it still sits in the back of your subconscious <laughs> and then you, you'll it just it just hatches all of a sudden and you come up with that realization as well and you start believing in things that you know, aren't actually real because of the things that you read. So finally being able to have the eye test ourselves is fantastic, uh, JB. So we will go through a lot of the matches today and talk about some of the eye-catching performances, maybe some that weren't eye-catching as well. JB, we'll talk about Zach Merritt, I'm sure. Uh, but what <laughs> oh, we should no. touch on is <laughs> the Patreon. Uh, we did have our competition for the prospectus that we were giving away for our new patrons, and Martin Wheatnow was the winner of that. We did have a bit of a uh, interesting way to draw the uh, draw the winning name, didn't we, JB?
1: Yeah, the cutest dog in the world and uh, your <laughs> oh, dog thanks, dog also Chezo. Uh, <laughs> yes. uh drew, drew it out from the uh the sock basket and uh the name was in there so very very good way to incorporate the, uh, the best looking dog ever.
0: And if you also want to see what Cheese looks like, you can find us on the, our YouTube channel as well. So uh, very, very cute. We do also have some patrons that we do need to go through that have signed up uh, just recently. Um, it's getting very close to the start of the season, JB, so we are starting to uh, kind of slow down a little bit because... Uh, I think we had like 20 the first week that we started, and I think most of those I muck their name up, so we'll see how we go. Uh, <laughs> tonight, we've got Jamie Eccles, Mikey Boy Stanfield, Stuart Lockhart, Bradley Pratt, Matt Baines, thank you for signing up, and uh, Thomas Newman. JB, I think you know that young man.
1: Unfortunately, yeah, we're both acquainted with him within the Doctor Supercoach Coach page, but... Good guy, Tom, and I think we can already see him growing as a, a super coach player since he's jumped into that Slack channel. So, uh, actually, I can, if I can just pump our tires quickly here, uh, <laughs> a lot of comments about how people are improving from when they got there to the teams that they're making now. So, if there was ever a time to jump in on the Slack channel in the in the Patreon, it'd be in the preseason, where you can still make drastic changes with no consequence. So, I think people are really enjoying the advice.
0: Yeah, it's been fantastic having uh, a lot of other people to bounce my ideas off, get shot down, and then realise that it was a stupid idea. So (laughs) just when you two aren't available, you and Pistol, to to bounce ideas off, it's great to be out. there. just jump in there, you know, with Wellesley or or Blackie and just get some great ideas going. Um, So we will... uh, uh, jump into uh, something uh, that we saw during the opening JLT games, JB. Give me something that you saw that was either different to last year or something you can see changing in 2019. What's something that you saw that you're interested in?
1: Okay, so I'll go with the least obvious one, and that's the the 666 rule and its effect on the game and alternatively in Supercoach as well. So the stoppages in the middle look far more open than they ever have. Meaning stoppages will be uh, far more important to win. It's, it's more important to have your best stoppage player in there to get those clearances. And when the clearances are had, it's a one on one almost everywhere in the forward fifty. And you've got players like uh, Dustin Martin, uh, Robbie Gray was was getting a few, and then obviously your, your brute forwards just winning one on one marking contest as well. Jamie Elliott looked like he thrived under the six six six. He's good in the air and also good with the body. So. I think it's it's going to be very good to see hopefully the clearance players being thrown in the middle more, Pendlebury dominated his game and hopefully also some uh, some more goals kicked from the big forwards and the crafty small forwards. So I think that's the the thing that got me Very excited for for the changes for this year.
0: Yeah, I I think I'll expand on that with something that um, just kind of justify what you're saying. We definitely saw that there was more freedom for those at centre bounces. Um, And one of the things that I noticed was that we didn't have any of the flankers pushing into those centre bounces immediately. What you would expect... As one of the ways to counter all that freedom is to send one of those players, um, you know, your defense or your forward lines, maybe uh, both at the same time to kind of rush the stoppage. If you've got, uh, for example, a momentum swing and, you know, your lead is being threatened and you need to try and um, get some more uh, congestion around the ball, that would be something that uh, might happen. We didn't really see that except uh, for a tiny little bit um, in the Frio. Pies game where Lyon kind of put a few more around the ball that freedom I think will close up a little bit slightly as the uh, actual season gets underway because I don't think we're going to be I don't think the AFL coaches are going to want that freedom to be uh, something that happens week in week out because it just looks so easy even just take the first game for example Sam Welch was uh, getting a lot of possessions, but he was also getting a lot of really easy kickouts um, to him towards the wing and just outside the square because Cripps would just run in there against uh, uh, Essendon's midfield that didn't have many of their stars playing. He'd just get the ball, whip it out, go to, uh, uh, laterally towards the wing and just find someone that was completely free because he wasn't getting rushed. So I think that's something that's going to uh, change... Uh, come the actual season, um, so that's that's the first thing I noticed, uh, noticed. The second thing I noticed is with that freedom, there's going to be a lot more. Um, I, I guess I, I predicted there would be a little bit of a scoring increase, JB. But what it looks like is that freedom is really opening up the forward fifty and allowing those crummers to actually have a genuine opportunity to get at the foot of those, uh, you know, those big power forwards uh, like a Joey Danaher, Danaher, or a Ben Brown, and um, we saw the likes of um, uh, Michael Gibbons, even his, his debut for Carlton was showing that people that have really good crumbing skills and some really good footy smarts are going to benefit from having that extra space. What do you think?
1: Well, we'll look no further than Carlton actually scoring 100 points in a game of football. So if you need to know that there's more offensive prowess in the game right now, then you know if, if Carlton are putting together three digits on the scoreboard, then there has to be more of a chance of scoring goals.
0: Yeah, pretty much it. And the the last thing we'll touch on before we get into the uh, the round recap and just touch on uh, uh, the the games themselves. JB, you put out a podcast for the patrons this week, but I think it's important that everyone else uh, kind of tunes in and listens to this as well. You had a few tips that players, uh, our, co- our coaches out there, should be applying to when they're watching the JLT because we're seeing some few handy scores pop up and players' ownership ratings skyrocket Should we just be jumping on anyone that has a decent score in the JLT, or what are some kind of tips that you would give those uh, watching the JLT games to how to watch them with kind of um, a bit of a rose-coloured glasses, not to see everything um, uh, score and numbers-wise, but just to stand back and have some perspective?
1: Yeah, so just just basically, I'll I'll quickly recap, it was only a a five-minute podcast on the old Patreon site, but... Uh, Just a quick recap was that uh, pretty much I pay more attention to where a player lines up on the ground rather than what they actually score. So people that were going crazy over Newman, I was more happy seeing him in in a sort of floating defensive role and he could have scored 75 in that role. I know there'll be some weeks where that 75 is a, a ton, where it might be a fifty with poor like disposal efficiency, but the score wasn't really important to me. And and all you would see on the Twitter sphere and Facebook etc. was that he had a big score. You know, like that's you know we can expect that sort of average from him. Blah, blah blah. People were blowing up over it, but it's you know you got to focus more on the actual role because if a player scores, for example, um, McGraw went through the midfield so much in the game uh, against Carlton. You know, that might not be the case when Zach Merritt, Heppel, like all the big boys are in the midfield. So, although he scored well, we can't really expect him to play that midfield role or that percentage of midfield role throughout the season. So, that score is is definitely going to be weighted higher during the JRT when he does get those midfield minutes than what we might expect uh, in the actual season. So, there's just some things you've got to be careful of, and uh, especially. To people out there that are changing their teams on an hourly basis, I'm making little changes here and there, but I'm seeing full blown, like a whole new forward line, a whole new defense from three days ago. You just got to keep your structure and back in your research from what you've done thus far. So uh, just a few sort of things that you pick up along the years of playing supercoach is just not to get too racked up in that JLT hype. As we saw a couple of years ago, Lumumba averaged like 120 in JLT and like 75 throughout the season. Vice versa, we saw Dane Swan average, you know, 48 in JLT and then 110 during the season. So you just can't take the scores too seriously. Yeah,
0: I think maybe it's me getting old a little bit on an age, JB, that I can't even remember when Lumumba played. How long ago was that? It would have to have only been It two feels like years it's ago. been like five years since he was on the list. <laughs> no, he's, he's
1: been more... He it it was on Melbourne, remember?
0: Yeah, no, but it just feels like forever. Maybe I've just blanketed that list that, that year out of my mind. Maybe I started him that year. I can't even remember.
1: Maybe you had him in your team, yeah. <laughs>
0: I've just wiped my memory. You've repressed
1: the memory of him existing. <laughs>
0: hey, so we've already touched on uh, a little bit of uh, Nick Newman. So we might as well start off with the Blues and the Bombers. Nick Newman, 97 supercoach points among 20 possessions, 8 marks, 4 tackles. He was definitely the main conduit for Carlton getting out of their back line. Whether that's something that they plan on taking forward or he's going to have a little bit more of a share of the load with Cade Simpson. But Nick Newman definitely showed that at $394,000 he shows he has a lot of value because during the game he was literally every time they were trying to rebound from the back 50, they would look for him. So he had uh, Newman had six handball receives in his defensive 50 along with seven uncontested marks, which is which is quite literally what Cade Simpson's whole game is around. Um, and because of that being the made conduit out of uh, the back 50, he uh, was only one metre behind Sam Walsh for the most metres gained per match. So um, he, he was definitely one to have a look at, JB. Uh, you've already touched a little bit on him, but what did you make of his? His role—that's
1: probably the most important thing. Well, you've just taken all my stats. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if he does play that role, that very specific role during the season, then uh, I think a ninety-plus average is possible. Uh, whether I think it's probable—that's a whole different thing. I, I'm not a strong believer in Nick Newman, but we've seen a high-scoring potential in him before. And on another note, we've seen Sydney players who are out of favour with uh, horse. Also, go to other clubs and dominate, a la Tom Mitchell. So, I wouldn't be surprised if he did well this year. I wouldn't be surprised, again, if he he averaged 90 plus and was sort of in the top 10, 12 defenders in the game. So, he seems like a good value pick. But at the same time, he could easily average 80 points and and be a disaster. And, you know, that would surprise me no less than him averaging, you know, the the 90 points or something like that. So, he's someone that you're going to. Unfortunately, make or break your defense with, with you know, an early trade or something. If he starts off poorly, I'd rather just get him at an inflated price of you know 105k in six weeks into the season rather than you know starting him now and he could be a disaster. So, not someone that's high on my watch list. Cade Simpson did play a far more conservative role, didn't do great at it, and we all know how good he can be off that halfback flank. So. It's something to watch. Maybe Newman takes one side, Cade takes the other, and they were just messing around with who the right-sided one would be. We don't know yet, but I'm not huge on Nick Newman at this stage. JLT, 2 might convince me otherwise.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with uh, waiting and seeing what he's going to do in JLT, 2 uh, We should t- uh, touch on Paddy Cripps. Uh, the first thing we should mention is that Zach Merritt and Dyson Heppel only played the first half. Devin Smith the second half. And Dylan Scheel went down uh, midway through the last quarter with a knock to his knee, so he's iced. But that really shouldn't take the gloss for off uh, Paddy Cripps' performance, who was just absolutely stellar, JB. And it just reaffirmed to me why you need to have him in your super Coach side in
1: 2019. Yeah, he's in 53% of sides already, and I don't think that's even nearly enough. So someone that was... In the first two or three midfield selections in my team, has not moved since the Supercoach Gold Picker opened in December and won't move from my side either. He's absolutely in the peak of his life right now and will score a lot of points this year. Would not shock me if he was the number one midfielder for the season.
0: Yeah, and it, I guess the the one thing that I will touch on is that he's potentially slightly underpriced. He's, a, he's priced at 119.4, which is what his average was for last year. But after the buy last season, he averaged 127 coming home. So potentially Ooh. you're even getting a, a, a slight, uh, you know, undervalued Paddy Cripps as well, if that's anything to go on. So um, 33 disposals and 20 contested possessions. He is just going to be uh, incredible once again. JB, Sam Walsh, yes, he's a good player. He's not going to win the Brownlow this year. Probably going to win the Rising Star, though. Um, (laughs) But I think we need to temper our expectations a little bit. The first game that we got to see him in Carlton Colors was really, really encouraging to help substantiate that 207000 price tag.
1: Yeah, and I think the most impressive thing for me were the 24 pressure acts and four tackles that he laid in the match. So that in itself for a first-year player is is absolutely incredible. The fact that he was able to rack up the pill at ease as well is just icing. And uh, 28 disposals, 11 of them contested. Uh, just amazing stuff for someone playing their first hit out at AFL level. Uh, however, 102 points... I just don't I don't know how often we'll see this during the season. I don't expect it to be often, but we don't need that. We need 22 less points of an, of an average for him to be a decent or a above average selection at 200K. And I think he's very capable of going 75 or 80 this season. Uh, not many midfielders draft the bat do that, but not many midfielders get picked at number one and, and have the sort of package that Sam Walsh comes in with. So I'm pretty confident in the selection at 200K and... You know, eighty plus as an average, as my expectation might be even still a little high because you know 70, 75 is also well and truly good enough. But it's just I th- I feel like it's within his capabilities. I don't know if I'm getting too JLT hyped up here, Chizo, but the dude looked amazing.
0: Yeah, not listening to your own rules is basically what's happening right now. I think obviously <laughs> a seventy to seventy five is where we should be expecting him to go. With that inflated price tag, you are paying for seemingly um, a better job security than some of the rookies that we're looking for. And to combine that, he also has a very, very good pedigree of scoring. He's a high possession winner and a high contested possession winner. And he's also um, a very high pressure player. So the three things that help us generate points the best in Supercoach are his three strengths. Um, So, there's literally no reason. Uh, I see a lot of people saying on um, uh, other sources, don't pick Sam Walsh because Cam Rayner was no good at pick one last year. That's comparing apples to oranges. They are completely different players. If I had to compare Cam Rayner to someone from this year's draft crop, crop, it would be something like an Isaac Rankin. Yeah, spot on. Uh, So... Comparing them and and trying to say that Sam Walsh, you shouldn't pay 200 grand for a a rookie because of XYZ reasons from previous player that did this, um, is always difficult when you're not comparing like for like players. It'd be no different than trying to compare a defender. To Sam Welsh. So that's something that I, I think is important to touch on. Uh, JB, we'll touch on the next midfielder or the next rookie that um, has midfield eligibility. Also afforded, Will Setterfield, $145,000, racked up the ton, 113 points. Is this a year we get an injury free Will Setterfield? That's the question.
1: Uh, if we do, then uh, you have to have him in your team. If we don't, then. I mean, you can't take the risk not starting him, so he'll cost us a trade, but a real, real low price to pay for someone who, I mean, like again, with uh, Sam Walsh, we can't be expecting a super coach ton from Setterfield, maybe at all this year, but the fact that he showed that he's got that scoring potential in the JLT, if perhaps they, I mean, I don't expect them to get a hold of a team and, and belt them around, but... If they do look like they're on a the winning end of a couple of games, then maybe Will Setterfield does, you know, do this sort of performance here and there in a win. But even an average of, you know, lower than Sam Walsh due to the fact that he's sixty K lower, average of sixty five seventy is brilliant for Will Setterfield and I mean you're huge on him. You're I'll let you speak more about him, but if we get that sort of average from him, then he's a huge success this year and in a year where we've got almost no forward rookies that are looking to average more than you know 50 or 60 points, Setterfield is definitely a shining light and someone that we just can't afford to go without.
0: Yeah, that, that pretty much sums it up. I, I'm, As you say, I'm big on Setterfield. I picked him as one of the best rookie options last year before he did his knee. Um, and I also picked him up quite early in the redraft of our Supercoach Keeper League. So it's safe to say I'm a big fan of Will Setterfield. Long term, he is going to be an inside midfielder. He is going to be one of the stars for Carlton and is going to be in a midfield with the likes of Welsh and Cripps. But right now, they just need to get some game time into him. And so for that reason, um, I think he has a slightly different role. Uh, and we saw that in the JLT where he was basically a dedicated half forward and he didn't really move up the ground too far um, so that certainly limits his scoring potential a little bit, but at 145 grand, you are paying for job security. Um, it's low enough that you're still making money, even if he is limited by um, being a forward in a, a side that's probably not kicking as many goals. So uh, definitely saw exactly what I needed to see from him and the fact that he made it through unscathed is all I want to see. So we'll quickly jump on to the next player, Michael Gibbons. Um, we were all expecting him to kind of be that midfielder averaging 80 points coming in from the, the VFL, but the the role they've given him, JB, not too encouraging for you know a huge uh, average in
1: 2019. No, very uh, discouraging for our field, on-field options in the midfield. So if you did have... Gibbons in an M8 or M9, uh, then I'd (laughs) take him out. Is is M9 on the field? (laughs) No. Oh, I'm crazy. Anyways, if you had him in an M8 or M7, I'd take him off the field. You wouldn't have him in an M7 anyways because he's one 2 Okay. If you have him in an M8, I would definitely take him off your field. If he is playing that forward role in a Carlton team, I wouldn't expect him to put too many 65, 60-ish point performances out there. 68 was very good, but he did kick a few goals and uh, did play in a win, so as I said, if that's unlikely, then he's not going to be scoring too highly, and pretty much we still want to lock him in on our field. I saw a lot of people saying that they were going to cross him off their list altogether, he's 102k, might average 50+, and that's all we could ever ask for.
0: Yeah, at that price, it doesn't matter what he scores, just as long as he's playing round one. So we saw pretty much everything we needed to see from Gibbons. Um, Zach Clark was pretty good in the ruck, JB. We can't really go into too much depth because he was the sole ruck for the night and he's not going to be that um, for and come round one. Just quickly, do you have any idea whether he's going to be um, being a, a secondary ruck for Essendon? What's your initial thoughts?
1: Very confident he'll play uh, early as he... They saw him play heavy minutes and they did have McKernan on the bench who just came on for the second half. If that were if re- reversed, if McKernan played the whole first half and Clark sort of came in and pinched in the second half, then I'd be a bit worried. But he looks to be favoured over McKernan. They recruited him to play by the looks of it. And he played well, so I think R three is a good spot to sit Clark at the moment.
0: Yeah, so Lewenberg is obviously gone, so they have no backup <laughs> to Tom Belch to Bell <laughs> You had to throw that in. There. Bel- I, <laughs> I know why you are laughing, but no one else is going to get the context, so we'll move you on. Can give it if you want. Uh, on your um, JB on his podcast to the patrons was going on about how Zach Clark could uh, was it. Unsettle Matty Lewenberg's position in the Essendon <laughs> starting side is that right? And then uh, we we all had a little bit of fun in the Slack channel making fun of you until you realised that uh, he wasn't actually on the list anymore. I forgot Bell uh, Chambers
1: existed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so Zach Clark as an Essendon supporter side of things, if we have a genuine kind of uh, chop-out ruckman, say, Kale Hooker does quite a good job. Um, Joey Danaher has also um, spent some time doing that, yet I don't think they'll do that, uh, particularly at the start of the year with Joey. We also know that Hooker has just gone down for four to six weeks with a calf injury. All of this is leading me to think that Zach Clark is probably going to get games and probably get games early, but I think long-term... I don't see him and Bell Chambers in the same team for a long period of time. Uh, I, 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 you know, I don't see him playing 15-plus games in 2019. So at that price of $143,000, he's, re- he's a, a good cash cow option. But I just don't see him um, being justified for those that are trying to slot him in at R2 at this situation because there's going to be a week where you need him to play and he's going to be out uh, for Tom Bell Chambers, in my opinion, JB. Uh, we'll move on. Just uh, We're just spending a bit of time on this game. Devin Smith only played the second half. 54 points, saw exactly what we wanted for him. High pressure, um, straight into the midfield. Zach Merritt recovering from the Moses injury to his ankle Um only the 27 points. Definitely played a lot more outside and uh, uh, not as uh, inside contested ball. Uh, whether that's because they're just kind of babying him coming back from that ankle injury or the fact that they have Dylan Sheil in there slightly impacting his role, we're not sure until round one, but uh, or at least until uh, JLT2. So uh, just something to keep an eye on, but really not Im- um, impressive. He was really fumbly and a bit rushed with the ball as well. So I think maybe this is probably his first proper hit out um, in a while coming back from that ankle injury. So we'll give him a pass on that one, JB, and we'll jump into the next game. West Coast defeated Geelong. This was the game where we were going to see Darcy Fort uh, put his hand up and say that we need to select him at R two, and as predicted, JB by you and I, it's just not what happened.
1: No, he put his hand up, but no one could see it because it was so skinny.
0: <laughs> he's he's a beanpole, isn't he? Everyone yeah, says he's that. Too small. <laughs> yeah, I, I I knew that he wasn't going to be selected when I watched the footage of Brad Ottens, forty <laughs> five year old Brad, fifty year old Brad Ottens. Pushing and bullying him at Geelong training, I just looked at that and went, "Okay, yep, no, he's not going to be playing round one."
1: No, I I wouldn't be surprised if he got a run during the season, but I doubt they unveil him in round one. And you know, it's he's just not someone that I'm looking at to the start at r two r three. Sorry, unless for some reason he is crazily selected round one, in which case I'd reconsider. But Clark looks to go there yeah and uh
0: from 61% game time he put up a score of 21 i feel like uh, even you could do uh, better than that jb but uh, we'll we'll move on uh, sam menegola only played a half but just 18 disposals and eight marks 76 super coach points 50% game time jb is
1: just ridiculous looks amazing menegola and very underrated in the SuperCoach community as someone who just goes out does their job averages 100 on the dot and he's <laughs> done for the year so i do like menagola as a selection just make sure you're keeping an eye on those buy structures with obviously starting dangerfield menagola uh, there's a few players in that buy that a decent forward option so if you've got too many then maybe pull back a little bit but menagola i think is a very very safe option for the year.
0: Only in 3% of teams as well. Unbelievable. So, yeah, yeah, and I think he's going to get a little a little bit more time in the midfield this year as well, just the way they yep. um, restructure things. So I can only see his, uh, his scoring potential going up. Priced at 100, I think he'll exceed that slightly in 2019. So definitely one to look at. The only reason I don't have him, as you say, JB, is... Our buyer structure, as I've already got danger. We'll talk about a few Geelong rookies JB, Jordan Clark, and Charlie Constable. Fantastic performances from them. What do you make of those?
1: Yeah, uh, Constable was already in my side. Uh, 92 points uh, did rock me a little bit. I didn't expect him to have that sort of ceiling in any game, let alone uh, an AFL game. So, um, pretty crazy, but I mean, I don't expect him to have that crazy ceiling during the season. Uh, he just sort of slots in there, M eight or first off the bench. That's that's fine either way. One hundred twenty three K mid should be in most teams. Jordan Clark did play without Zach Tui, so I'm not certain he'll get as free of a run during the season. But eighty seven points, he's a hundred and forty four K early draft pick. I assume they will be rolling him out fairly early, and if they do, you just can't ignore his potential to go. You know, at a sixty five seventy average. In that you know D six spot, so I think he looked excellent as well.
0: Yeah, and I think the the thing that bodes well for both Clark and Constable is they can win their own contested ball. So if we're looking at Jordan Clark, for example, he played five games in the Waffle at league level last year, uh, averaged fifteen disposals at forty four percent contested possession rate with six ground ball gets a games, uh, and all of those stats are really really important for generating Super Coach points. So. He is going to be a fantastic pickup if he gets game, so he looked he didn't look rushed he looked like he was you know uh, up to the tempo of AFL football having that league exposure, which was uh, something we really like to le- like to see and that little bit of speed is uh, is actually going to be uh, great for Geelong coming out of defense, so I think that he is a, a good one to uh, be looking at and not overly expensive at one hundred and forty four grand so um, definitely look at Jordan Clark. Charlie Constable last year in the VFL played 15 games, averaging 24 disposals, contested possession rate of 41. It it just says everything itself. He's got the form in the VFL. If it wasn't for Geelong's strong midfield, he would clearly be getting games, and he'd probably be getting games in many other AFL sides in the competition. Can he break into the Geelong side is the question. He's definitely got the skills to do it. He's gone into his second preseason. I am going to I'm going to put him in, but I don't think we should be planning to put him on our field to start with because even if he doesn't play round one, he'll be in there soon after if he keeps this form up. Um, and the best thing about Charlie Constable, he's got really good ball use. He doesn't burn the ball like some midfielders um that we do see. So he's along the lines of a, you know, a Tim Kelly and a Menegola that are really good with the football too. So that certainly helps uh, his credentials for getting a, a game. And it's probably why we um, don't see the likes of Dylan Clark getting a game for Essendon, for example, to to touch on them again is because he does tend to burn the, the football a lot more um, than someone like a Charlie Constable. So, uh, that really really bodes well for him another rookie in Francis Watson for West Coast was uh, uh, kind of going under the radar but he he pretty much looks a ready made player uh, jb and 76 points and 10 tackles in his first uh, you know hit out for for West Coast is really really good signs
1: yeah great signs from Watson had pretty much the perfect game for someone trying to break into that team there are a few players who play a similar role like Tom Cole and uh, Liam Duggan in that West Coast side but Wes, well, uh, Francis Watson is just primed to, uh, to have a, a breakout sort of year for himself. Not sure he will get games early on, but any sort of injuries in that defense uh, or any lapses in form, and I wouldn't be surprised to see him play during the season. So it just very impressive. The perfect game for him, honestly, perfect game. So if he backs it up in JLT, JLT2, then we might see him earlier rather than later.
0: Okay, cool. So we'll jump into the next game, JB. St Kilda defeated North Melbourne. And uh, the first thing to note from this game was the performance of Todd Goldstein. Many coaches out there running with him at R2, JB. 117 Supercoach points. Really good signs from the uh, Gold member.
1: Yeah, and was in my R2 leading up to this game. Definitely staying there now. And I highly doubt I'd be getting rid of him before round one. Did oppose pretty much zero rucks in the St Kilda squad as Lewis Pierce went down early, but did this in a loss and in about 50% time on ground. So really, really good performance. Uh, looks like he's running out there, running around in his best form uh, from what we saw a few years ago, peak fitness sort of thing. So uh, definitely on my side as the only ruckman that could pretty much go 110, 115-ish uh, besides the top two obvious ones. So The only thing to be concerned about is uh, Campbell also played pretty well and uh, whether they'll play the two Ruckman or not. There was an interview today though with Todd Goldstein and he uh, seems quietly confident that they were going to run around with the one Ruckman and that Ruck would quite obviously be himself. So I'm pretty happy with Todd Goldstein at R2 and it'd take quite a lot to change that for me.
0: Yeah, so he had 33 hit-outs. Tom Campbell, 25 hit-outs from only 38% game time. But when we look at the uh, players he was rucking against, he was rucking against Josh Bruce, Nathan Brown, Callum Wilkie, and uh, Lewis Pearce to start the game before his concussion. We should also mention there was a uh, a couple injuries on the North Melbourne side of things. Uh, Aaron Hall copping an ankle uh, knock, I think it was, but he's reported to be still on track for round one. or a left knee knock it was, um, and then uh, sent off for the remainder of the game. So not uh, what a few coaches were looking at uh, with Aaron Hall. We'll jump into uh, Jack Steele, 117 points. Also, he was fantastic, JB. Yeah,
1: and also Aaron Hall did actually come back on the ground after the, the knee knock, so it could be way worse for Aaron Hall, but he did show that he could come out, run around again, and then they took him back off for precautionary reasons. So... On Jack Steele, 117 points. Uh, unbelievable. So Jack Steele, uh, midfield wide open right now with uh, Jack Stephen taking some time away from the club. And Jack Steele looks like he's going to be the biggest beneficiary. So 117 points. I'm sure you'd be able to tell me what he sort of ran home with last year, but I'm pretty sure post-buy it was approximately 110-point average as well. So to do this... Uh, to start the JLT like this, he's showing us that he's primed, ready to go this year and obviously touted very highly for his whole entire career with the move to the Saints as well. Played a lot of forward time, everyone had him as a rookie that year and uh, also of rookie prize player that year. Played amazingly in our sides, now going into that full brute midfield type role and I could see him... I see him averaging 105 points this year. Not quite there for a top six option, top 10 option, but I could see him doing some very good things this season.
0: Yeah, he was fantastic. Um, really becoming that player we all knew he could be. The standout for this game, Jamie McMillan, 136 points. He was pretty much everywhere, JB. He was taking kickouts. I think he took five for the match. Um, is someone that... Has always kind of been around the mark, but has never really blossomed into a player that could be anything. But he kind of did everything on the weekend, and uh, definitely something to um, keep an eye on if that's, uh, you know, he's going to be benefit from the kick in rules, for example, JB. But maybe not someone that we really need to be uh, putting high on our priority list unless we see something fantastic again in JLT2. What do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you've nailed it there. I don't think his role has changed from last season, and he definitely wasn't averaging. 136 points, so you know, priced effectively, he'll have good games and he'll have bad games throughout the season, not really one to watch.
0: Sure. Uh, on the Saints side of things, Jack Billings is just being that ultimate tease, putting up a super coach ton with a couple goals. Uh, probably for the first time in his career, he kicked two goals to one behind and not the other <laughs> way around.
1: And the ultimate tease has gotten into my Supercoach team, G. So I've got Jack Billings at F3 at the moment, and I feel disgusting. <laughs> I think I'm the only player in however much ownership he has, which I'll find in a second, to actually have picked him this year and last year. So I feel like anyone that had him last year is just not touching him. Anyone that has him this year definitely didn't go through what we went through last year. So it's sort of fresh all. But Jack Billings is in my side. A few things that have uh, turned me on to Jack Billings recently. The coach did say after the game that if Parker give them that sort of influential forward time, he was very creative with the football, very good with the footy, kicked a couple of goals himself, then that would free up a lot of space for them to experiment more with players like Billings in the midfield. So uh spoke highly, did name Billings uh, specifically, and said Parker doing well in the forward line opens it up for him. That and the fact that I think Richard does enjoy being employed. Hopefully, you'd put one of your best midfielders in the middle. Uh, if I see anything different uh, in JLT, at JLT2, then I'll be taking him out of my side. But right now, <laughs> things look okay for Jack Billings. Maybe we, just, we were just a year too early, and that ownership is uh, 4%, by the way. Sucker. Absolute sucker. I can't <laughs> yeah, wait I, I, can't
0: wa- I can't wait for you to crash and burn. Uh, we'll <laughs> touch on a few players that we uh, we should finish off. Uh, Dylan Robertson got through the game unscathed. Um, the thing that puts me off for Dylan Robertson is that his role changed about four times during this singular game anyway, so that's something that uh, has always put me off about Dylan Robertson. He's going to be a, uh, a good scorer. He's underpriced because of the heart issues last year, but Um, Is he going to have a scoring-friendly role every single week is the question. He might be throwing up a few 60s in there. So um, that's the only reason I'm picking someone like a Brodie Smith over Dylan Roberton at this stage. Uh, Matthew Parker, as you touched on, fantastic. 81% time on ground. Led the uh, team for tackles with uh, seven and kicked a couple snags himself. And Nick Hind. Uh, didn't have a, a overwhelming game, but ten touches, six contested possessions from fifty-eight percent game time, uh, really kind of builds his case. JB, talk to me a little bit about Callum Wilkie and his game. We were all kind of thinking he could make a, a, a round one dash in our defensive lines, maybe not uh, what we expected.
1: Yeah, didn't have a uh, didn't piece together a great game. Only the four handballs and one mark for the whole entire match. So. Uh, Didn't really put it together. Only 46% time on ground, but they don't seem to be favoring him over uh, some of the other rebounding defenders. You did speak about Robertson, who took that role a little bit. Savage, uh, Webster, and they've even got players like, uh, who was the the high draft pick they had last season bouncing off the, the halfback line? I always forget his name. Caulfield, that's the one that I was thinking. So they've got a lot of players that could play that position. I don't think Wilkie will be favoured for a spot in their best 22 early.
0: Yeah, sure. Um, And and for that reason, he's just made his way out from D8 at the moment. Uh, We'll move on to the next game, the showdown, mate. You were pretty excited about this one. Did you end up actually going to this one, or did you only go to ones during the year? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I didn't make it to this one, and I tend to avoid the ones during the year as well. Believe it or not, but the uh, the feral Crow supporters <laughs> tend to start fights, so <laughs> I stay away.
0: <laughs> the feral Crow supporters, all right. That's sure to set off a few people on Twitter. <laughs> uh, mate, Rory Laird, uh, 94, pretty much did what he always does. 28 touches, 9 marks, 8 contested possessions, Um, He looks like he's going to be another great pick this year. Uh, Everyone's uh, sucker, this is the Jack Billings of the Adelaide Crows. Brad Crouch, 118 supercoach points. Does uh, fantastic on the weeks that he plays, but the problem with it is he only plays every two or three weeks. Uh, and uh, to finish off the midfield, Rory Sloan and Matt Crouch, uh, Brad's brother, uh, another fantastic couple of scores from those guys. Their midfield just completely overran power uh, the power midfielders to the point that the highest-scoring power player was a first-year draftee, Zach Butters. JB, what do we take away from this game in terms of some of these super coach scores because the Adelaide Crows just totally blitzed the midfield but only just came away with the game.
1: Yeah, so it was a bit of a strange one, uh, definitely a strange one to watch. It was in a ridiculous heat, so they were playing in 40 degree plus heat for the whole entire match, it got up to 41 degrees, uh, and the game was played in 25 minute quarters with no time on due to the heat, so... Slightly less game time for a lot of players might symbolize a few lower scores, especially on port side of things, but uh, Crows didn't have an issue scoring the <laughs> Supercoach, obviously, but um, I don't know, really. With the with the midfield being sort of overrun, as you said, it just seemed like a, a more... I mean, Port put a lot of players throughout midfield, so Butters had a bit of time there, Boak, uh, Brad Ebert sort of touched through there a little bit, Power Pepper, obviously, then we had Rockliff, Motlip, Motlop was in there a little bit. Willem drew the the uh, not draft either, but the uh, the young bloke who hasn't played yet. Robbie Gray also obviously, and uh, even a couple of others. So I think we just had a different mix in there. Most uh, bounces, hence the the spread of Supercoach points. But to touch on the uh, the fact that our best scorer was a rookie, Zach Butters looked excellent. So played a little bit in the midfield. was mostly around the half forward line and in the forward 50, and he's just silky. He had 72% disposal efficiency from his 25 touches, uh, four tackles, five marks, um, and really just looked amazing. So he'll be starting in my squad. I am pretty confident he'll start in round one as well, but I don't think he'll have anywhere near the scoring potential that he showed in this game.
0: Sure. Um, so touch on a couple of the other rookies in uh, Connor Rosie and Zabe Dersmer. Uh, a, a few coaches thinking that they should be filling some spots in their supercoach sides. Not exactly um, groundbreaking performances from the showdown.
1: No, not groundbreaking. Uh, Willem Drew was another one of them uh, as well that you didn't mention. 77 supercoach points, 16 disposals. He looks like he's going to jump into that. Ollie Wines-type role. He's got a few preseasons under his belt now and, and looks a big lad, so um, I wouldn't be shocked to see him in round one. Dersmer, quite the opposite. He looked good in the under-23s Pracky match, but only the nine disposals in this one. Snuck forward and got a goal uh, there as well, inflating his score a little bit, but didn't look quite up to it. 58% time on ground, uh, just probably a little bit behind. He'll probably start in the Maggies as well, considering uh, we... Looked like we're going to be playing Sam Mays as well. So he, he looked like he was decent in that game as well. So I wouldn't expect those to be getting that role. Rosé, uh, I think is definitely a chance to play. Uh, I'd, I'd say he's even probable. Only the six disposals and four tackles, but he's not really there to to accumulate a lot of the football. He's just very clean with it. So he kicked two goals, both of them quite tough goals as well. Uh, looked very polished with the football and uh Assume he's going to be floating in and out of that forward line, maybe spending some time down back as well. Just not a supercoach option.
0: Yeah, and that elevated price really um, kind of puts you off him as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, on the uh, crow side of things, uh, Brody Smith, 103 super coach points, 27 possessions, a lot by foot, a lot uh, running out of halfback, kicking um, uh, to hit up uh, players up the field. He really just did affirm his position in a lot of super coach sides.
1: Yeah, and this is exactly what we wanted to see from Brody Smith. He's really a one-trick pony. He he does what he's always done in his career, and that's bounce off half back, has a potent uh, boot on him, and and just hits targets everywhere. So that's going to be his role. Uh, he'll have good games with it, where he goes at the sort of disposal efficiency when at this match uh, in the 80s. And he'll have bad games where he's, he's missing a bit by foot. But mostly you'll see him score around the 80 to 90 and sort of upper echelon 90s as well he's got a few tons in in this season and uh, he's locked himself in my squad not just due to this game but just due to the fact that you know he's got that role he will have the upper 15 kicks per match and all he has to do is hit some targets and he's looking at a good super coach score so very super coach friendly Brody smith
0: Okay, and up next we've got the Derby. GWS Giants uh, defeating Sydney, something we might see uh, during the year as well. Isaac Heaney and Callum Mills, the two young guns that we've been praying will get some more midfield time, seem to have been alternating uh, during this game, JB. Both cracking the Supercoach ton, um, both spending some time rotating with each other from forward uh, and through the midfield. Is this the year that we see these guys kind of become the bona fide midfielders that we expect them to be? Uh,
1: Two answers here. A big yes for Isaac Heaney. Uh, You could tell he's done a lot of work on his body over the offseason and his uh, fitness as well. Had a good preseason and looks absolutely primed to take that midfield role uh, by storm. He's locked into my F2 as he probably is for most people, F2 or F3, Uh, just... Yeah, absolutely primed to have a great year. Callum Mills I find a little bit difficult because he's such a good defender. So he scored 106 in this one, uh, was in the midfield a lot, looked quite or looked very comfortable actually in that engine room. But I sort of see them throwing him back in defense when they need to as well. So not someone that I'm going to lock into my side. I don't know if he can quite get up to that top sort of 6 to 8 in his uh, position in defense. But he will put up some big scores this year, I can tell you that. But, you know, it's just hard to trust at this point.
0: I think the uh, the the key thing with Isaac Heaney, he's already had two seasons in a row where he's averaged in the high 90s. So we can only see improvement uh, for him. And even if he goes back to playing the same role and he gets no more mid-time than he did last year, he's still got a high 90s average. So we've got something to depend on. So he seems like a safe selection. With Callum Mills, on the other hand, we're kind of projecting... Out. So we're extrapolating the data. We're, we're going past the realms of what we know into predictions and hopes and dreams. So um, we all think that Callum Mills is going to become that midfielder um, that we know he can be at some point. When that is and when Horst lets him become that player, we don't know. However, some uh, one of the young players that is already looking like a bona fide midfielder is Tim Taranto, J.B., 120 super coach points. He was just incredible.
1: Yeah, and another one I find very difficult to judge. Uh, he was playing without obviously Josh Kelly in that midfield, who would take a lot of disposals away from his peers. But without Dylan Shield, someone that could really step up into that midfield role and you know if he averaged 110 this year i would honestly not be shocked at seeing that but at the same time if he averaged something like 98 to 105ish again I, that just wouldn't surprise me at all so not someone that i'm looking to start in my squad but also not someone that i'd ex- like i'd be shocked with having as an upgrade target as well during the year so if you've got the cojones to pick tim toronto you are to be very very happy and and you know be rubbing it in everyone else's face or you would be sorely disappointed and wasting a trade around the buyers. So he could go one of two ways, but he's definitely got the potential for either.
0: I think it's also important to remember that uh, Jacob Hopper didn't play this game either, and he is less likely to be able to play a forward mid role than um, what Tim Taranto is. So Mm -hmm. it's also important to remember that, but, all the signs are pointing positively towards Tim Durando having a breakout year. But one of the other midfielders that is kind of going slightly under the radar radar is uh, Cornelio. 140 supercoach points, 35 touches, 10 tackles and a goal. 17 contested possessions. He's just ticking all the boxes to be one of those bona fide midfielders to go 110 plus. We all had him last year and right now he's going under the radar, JB. Why do you think that is? <laughs>
1: probably because we all had him for a hundred K cheaper last year. I think our brain really associates seeing that 450 K player go crazy. And then seeing them next year for, you know, 150 K extra, we go, oh, geez, we're not going to pay up that much for him. Like we sort of remember the the bad parts of him, you know, had a, a couple of scores below 80 last year where we were thinking, you know, maybe he's not a keeper, but then we sort of forget about the type of ceiling that he had as well, which is absolutely enormous. So, Um, To me, I have absolutely no concerns with picking Canigua this year. I don't currently have him in my side, but if he found his way in before round one, I wouldn't be surprised, and anyone that shows me their team with him He's not someone that i look twice at and think that is a bad selection at all. I think he's going to be very, very good this year.
0: Sure. Now, the next player I want you to touch on for me is Zach Williams. He uh, came out of the blocks uh, just absolutely blistering with a 14-possession opening quarter, but uh, just put on ice towards the second half, probably just managing him a little bit, only 53% time on ground for the game. But uh, it really is looking positive for those that are looking to uh, take a bit of a punt on Zach Williams becoming a premium in 2019.
1: Yep, I've already predicted him for a 105-plus average this season, and that opinion is not changing whatsoever. I think Williams is an absolute lock. (laughs) I still think it's a little bit overs
0: for what he can produce, but um, I'll take your word on it, JB. I love that you're backing yourself in and that he's going to be in your side. Uh, Jackson Haitley, 101 points. Uh, Great for those that have him uh, as a potential uh, round one starter for GWS. They do need a replacement for... The likes of Dylan Shew and he uh, and uh, um, Tom Scully as well. Can't for, forget, he's a, another loss for GWS. So um, there's a couple spots up for grabs, and uh, he's probably vying with uh, Caldwell to get in there, but um, 101 points inflated a little bit by the fact that he went at 100% disposal efficiency. He only had 16 touches, four tackles, and a goal. Um so very unlikely he's going to be averaging that, but I think uh, anywhere in the, the the 60s is something we can expect from him in 2019. So um, definitely one to keep your eye on. And uh, the last person we'll touch on is Lockie Whitfield, JB, because his role was something that sent a lot of coaches running for the heels.
1: Yeah, very strange role. Uh, seemed to be going at sort of half forward in the first couple of quarters, but then went half back and... The next couple, when Zach Williams wasn't there, so do we expect? Because uh, I mean, we assume Zach Williams will play all this season. That he'll be playing half forward for the whole year. It's a strange role for him. He did do well. Uh, he had ninety three points, and you know, showed that he's still an elite talent. But uh, you know, it's easy to tag someone at that that sort of half forward role when they get off the chain. If he goes more in the midfield, uh, he'll definitely see a tagger go to him. I just find it tough to sort of see Whitfield as one of those players that won't be sort of up and down for the season. And worst case scenario, there's every single chance that he puts together a a sub-80 performance and ends up cheaper during the year. So someone I'm willing to wait and see on.
0: Yeah, he's in 29% of teams right now, which is quite high. But the thing that's important to remember is that He made his name as a midfielder and mostly as a winger, particularly at GWS. So with the return of a Heath Shaw back from a PCL and Zach Williams from his Achilles, they are definitely losing uh, a couple of positions for him to be filling in the back line. So while I'm not saying he won't be a running halfback that he was uh, uh, fantastic in last year, I think the likelihood that he pushes further up the ground is um, still quite high and that's what's keeping me away from him. So... Um, I think Lockie Whitfield's going to be great, but I I just don't see the potential for him to increase his score as great and to uh, kind of snag some of those kicking points as well, even though he did take a couple from the JLT game. Um, So just something to to just keep an eye on there, uh, JB. We will jump into the next game now. We've got the Lions getting over the line of the Hawks. Now, the Hawks were playing their VFL side, essentially. I think they had eight or 10 of their best 22 not playing. So take a couple of these scores as you will. But Lockie Neal, 136 super Coach points from 31 touches, just incredible and exactly what we wanted to see.
1: Yep. And 93% disposal efficiency, something we won't see often during the season. So a slightly inflated score again here. But again, it's it's just something that you, you look at Lockie Neal and you go, yeah, he's capable of doing that again. So, you know, he's going to have these huge scores had a, uh, I, I can't say much about Locky Neal that hasn't already been said. 15 of his disposals contested. Uh, that's almost 50%. Uh, 10 clearances, 4 tackles. He, he just does a bit of everything. i was surprised he didn't get on the scoreboard because he does kick a, a few goals during the season. 136 Supercoach points. I'd expect him to go 115 plus for the season this year. And you know he showed us exactly that this game.
0: Yeah, Daniel Rich was the next player that I noticed was taking a lot of the kickouts, which um, it seems to bode well for those that like him. I know Lex is a big fan of Danny Rich, so um, it could see a boost for his scorer this year. But one of my boys that I've always been a fan of, JB, you know this from the Keeper League, is Hugh McCluggage. (laughs) Going under the radar, 103 supercoach points, 27 possessions, 12 contested. Um, He just looks like he's primed for that next step Kind of breakout. Uh, I don't think he's kind of tracking as well of Tim Taranto um, from the same draft year, but definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, the one thing that did uh, kind of disappoint me a little bit: seventy-seven percent time on ground, one goal, one only twenty touches from Dane Zorko, The eighty-three super coach points. A few moments of the year, I've had him in and out of my midfield. Not exactly what we were hoping for.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was he was just sort of uh, jogging along. Looks like he was going a little at half pace at times. Uh, as I said earlier, Supercoach scores in the JLTs and everything. Maybe Zorko just isn't a fan of the the warm-up comp and, and just uses it to sort of uh, stretch his legs a little bit. Looks okay with the 20 touches and, and the goal, so you know, I, I don't expect him to average you know, any less than triple figures this year. Um, I mean, I haven't had him in my side, but you know that he, he can also go below the, the tonne especially when he's got a run-with player to go with him. So um, risk-reward with Zorko is pretty much uh, self-explanatory. So yeah, not sh- not sure he's a lock or-, or anything of that nature, but again, like I'd be surprised if he went less than triple figures again.
0: Yeah, sure. And on the Hawk side of things, the only um, there's a couple rookies that we do need to talk about. Harry Jones um, is selectable as a defender in 2019, but rotating through the midfield, he is um, at heart a contested inside midfielder. So that's great for us. 79 SuperCoach points from 21 disposals, eight contested possessions, 79% time of ground looks really really good. James Cousins, uh, 29 touches. A hundred and one Supercoach points uh, at only uh, just over two hundred thousand dollars in Supercoaches. He won that we should be keeping an eye on.
1: Uh, absolutely, keeping our eye on. Uh, but as you said, there's you know, Hawks were playing their their VFL B squad. So Cousins was really you know he had free reign in that midfield with the likes of Wingard and you know about a million of their midfielders coming back. They didn't have shields in this one. They didn't have. Uh, Isaac Smith I believe so uh, there's just so many players to come back that we're going to have to see how they go in JLT two. and before I throw it back to you uh, James Sisley was probably the biggest talking point of this game played predominantly forward Cheezo two goals four did not look great as a forward um, 11 of his 11 disposals were kicks seven of them from Mark so he really got fed the footy just not what we want to see. A lot of people had him D2, including myself, and quickly removed him because if he's showing any signs of playing any percentage up forward in the JLT, you can be damn sure it's likely he sees it during the season, and that is just an, an average killer. And then an article came out a couple of days ago saying that he was going to be the best swingman in the AFL, and... Yada 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 and you know, just unbelievable that the Hawks would want to change, you know, make one of their all Australian amazing defensive options into a forward, you know, even though that's how he started his career. And thus killing him in our in our supercoach side. So do you think Sicily's a chance to still be prevalent this year, or what are your thoughts on that?
0: I think that he is going to be a good supercoach player for two thousand nineteen, but I just as you say, it has scared me off a little bit because any player that has a role that can change at in the middle of a game dependent on how the team is going is something that really does um, kind of scare me away. I'm thinking a little bit on the lines of Dylan Robertson as well where they can change in between a lockdown or a, a rebounding defender at any given time. So um, it, it, I'm along the same lines and straight away it did kind of send off the alarm bells a little bit. Um, but we do have to wait and see because he is going to be one of the better defenders in 2019 if he gets to keep that role.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And just lastly, uh, James Warpole in this one, 18 disposals, 9 tackles. 13 of those 18 were contested. He is an absolute beast in the middle. Uh, did also have 7 clangers, which is quite amazing. Uh, still put together 85 supercoach points. So is he a chance to be... A breakout contender in our forward lines, or is this just a product of us seeing a VFL team for the Hawks?
0: I think he's definitely going to get some more game time, some more midfield time for the Hawks in 2019. But I do worry that his price is just a little bit too elevated. I know he's just only uh, just above 300 grand, but. I'm just not seeing the ceiling that is going to vastly increase that and you know, make him a worthwhile cash cow or end up making him a keeper in the forward line considering we have options that can average around 100. So I'm just not seeing him become that kind of option for us. Uh, but it's definitely one to keep an eye on if he's going to continue this role in 2019. I just don't see him being that super relevant player.
1: Yep, he's, he, and he's up at 400k. So, yeah, a little bit pricey for me as well. And I'll let you jump into the next game.
0: Okay, so we'll jump into one of the games of the JLT Round 1 is the Tigers versus the Demons. After uh, the Demons doing much of the running, the Tigers got over the top, and it's hard to go past uh, some standout players in this game, namely Basha Hooley for the Tigers and Clayton Oliver and Angus Brayshaw for the Demons. We were a little bit worried that um, bilateral shoulder reconstructions in the offseason was going to impact Clayton's uh, you know, beginning to the year, but he's just shown that he's just a contested beast whether he's got shoulders attached or not JB he was just fantastic
1: yeah absolutely fantastic and in only 68% time on ground he scored 127 if you're looking for a player over 600k who isn't called Cripps or McRae then I mean Clayton Oliver just has to be your third or fourth I mean there's only four players really that you know, okay, I'm, I'm butchering this, Oliver playing <laughs> Oliver's a great selection, and he, he's, he's definitely one of the first picked in my team. I saw he had double surgery, did sort of weigh me off for a couple of weeks, but this performance has just absolutely got me back on board.
0: So talk to me a little bit about Angus Brayshaw. Um, a little bit of a disconnect between his Dream Team to Supercoach ratio. He's got 150 in Dream Team from um, a whole bunch of possessions, nearly 40 touches, and only 110 in Supercoach. He still went at 66% disposal efficiency with 14 contested possessions and 11 marks. He just is going from strength to strength. And after not getting invited to the brown light, it's almost like he's got a chip on his shoulder.
1: Yeah, it does look like that. Uh, he did rack up seven clangers which is kind of uh, not his game style, so I wouldn't expect him to do that uh, too often during the season. So, I mean, the 111 supercoach that he did score after seven clangers would generally be a lot higher, and I think this is what we can see from what we will see from Brayshaw. I think we'll see some big scores. Uh, We unfortunately do see him fade out a little bit as well. Uh, We saw a lot early last season before he got his groove on, but uh, I don't know. He's just a tough one to read. I, I don't think he'll be a top six to eight midfielder, but if he was top 10, I wouldn't be surprised. And if you wanted to take the punt on him as a point of difference option, then I don't think I'd have anything against you for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I'd, I'm i definitely not ballsy enough to to pick him in my side, but boy, he really could be anything, like, now that he's finally coming on and he's had a little bit of a a, a better run with uh, concussion. Uh, the next player I do want to touch on here, JB, is Braden Proust. He was rucking uh, pretty much soul all game, um, uh, you know, without Gorn. We finally got to see what he can do, and it was a little bit underwhelming. He didn't really do exactly what I thought he would be.
1: Yeah, he, he started the game like a house on fire, uh, had uh, a couple of dozen supercoach points probably early, took a couple of good marks uh, Rewatching the game this morning. But after that, he sort of just called off and had a, Pretty average game by anyone's standards. So, only got the nine disposals. He's just a ruckman, so it's it's not shocking to see someone get a small amount of disposals in the ruck. But the 21 hitouts as well uh, looked like Toby Nank and Ivan Soldo, especially Soldo, sort of just not out rucked him, but you know, they sort of just stopped his effects pretty much altogether. And uh, 69 supercoach is not brilliant. Uh, he only had 63% time on ground, so. Look, might improve that during the season, but you know he didn't get on the scoreboard either, and I don't know. I just wasn't impressed, and and watching him, he looked like he got in a lot of good positions, but couldn't sort of put the finishing touches on, you know, a disposal, a mark, a handball, or, or just like anything like that. So I don't know. It just wasn't convincing at all, and did not pass any of the eye tests for me.
0: Well, it does two things for me. It kind of reaffirms that Gorn is going to be their number one ruck in my eyes. But it also kind of says to me that the people that are thinking about going with him at R2 as that cheap um, you know, cheaper uh, ruckman that's going to appreciate in price, that he's just probably not got the scoring potential as it stands right now to really be a huge cash generator, particularly in the mid 200000 So So um, we obviously need to see more from him, but that's something that I'm taking away from it to start with. But the next player, Marty Hoare, six kick-ins, which was great, exactly what we wanted to see. But other than that, not a whole lot to write home about pistol. Uh, sorry, JB, uh, 13, oh, wow. tu- <laughs> 13 touches uh, of six of those. Um, three of those were play on for uh, kick-ins, rotating through the defence. Some good signs, but not something that's uh, you know really locking him into our back line at this stage.
1: Yeah, he's pretty much an almost player. So, you know, one handball away from getting a touch, uh, a couple of metres away from getting that inset mark that another you know player on his side gets. Just looks like he's almost in the right position to get all these disposals, but he's just not quite there. So I don't know if that's something he needs to learn throughout the VFL or if they'll start him in round one and and sort of hope he picks it up as they go, or if he just had a sort of a lower type game for the club uh, in this JLT1 uh, hit out. But, you know, he just sort of wasn't quite there. He didn't quite grab my attention enough. And uh, great that he got so many kickouts, because if he gets that during the season, then uh, you'd expect him to sort of hover around a a 55-60 average just based on the fact that he's getting a few free disposals a game. But yeah, just didn't really set the house on fire and uh, got a good win after the game, sort of downplayed his uh, chances for round one, said that he's doing good things, but something that they'll have to assess uh, more. So if you had locked him in there and there, then he'd be in my my D8 spot. He's in there anyway, but he'd be safely in my D8 spot, but he sort of left it to, to speculation a little bit. Sure. And the last player
0: we'll touch on is Dusty. Two goals and 21 touches, pretty much just being the Dusty of 2018, spending the majority of his time um, rotating through midfield and the forward line. Not good signs for those that are hoping for him to go back to that genuine midfielder role in 2017 where he won the Brownlow. I I think it's predictable that he's going to be playing a very similar role based on uh, JLT1, but we do need to see some more exposed form. If anything, it has just reaffirmed to me that he's just so strong in the forward line and one on one that with these new rules and uh, 666, they're just going to try and expose that. They're going to try and expose defenders on him one on one, and they're going to keep running with that same kind of role. So um, that's what I see. Uh, that's what I take away from that game in terms of Dusty, and something that I think will continue on in 2019. We'll jump into the second last game of the round: Suns versus Dogs. Uh, a good game in the end for to watch. Both with 22 scoring shots, but um, the more accurate Suns getting over the line. Jack McRae, you can't start the season without him, can you, JB?
1: He's unbelievable. Yeah, you need to absolutely lock him in. He's worth the price tag. Maybe even underpriced uh, wouldn't be surprising if he increased on that average.
0: Okay. It's hard for someone to just suddenly increase on 130, but... Um... Honestly, he had an injury effective in
1: 44 <laughs> in there, and... I wouldn't be surprised if he increased on his average this year. Yeah,
0: fair enough. Yeah, no, I, 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 I do appreciate that. Um, a 40-touch game just... he. I think they play the Suns in round three as well. And the way that the uh, captaincy loophole works, now that we don't have Titch to be dependable on, the Dogs play, I think, the most or the second most... Um, Sunday games, so he's going to be a perfect captaincy loophole. So, if you needed any excuse to pick him up, um, you know, a lot of people are picking up Titch, even though he's got a high price tag. Uh, you shouldn't be scared away from Jack McRae for the exact same reason because he is going to continue to be that scorer that he was last year. Someone going under the radar is Marcus Bontempelli. Again, he's someone kind of like Dusty that's just so integral to the dog's forward structure because he's so good one-on-one that it's you know, continuously going to hold him back from being that bona fide mid- uh, midfielder that we know he can be. But 116 supercoach from 30 touches is what we like to see. JB, talk to me about Tom Liberatore, 111 supercoach. It's kind of what we wanted to see from him, particularly at his price point. If he's putting up numbers like these, it's just money for Jan.
1: Yeah, uh, just quickly back on Bon. Um, it looks like he's cluing on to the fact that when he plays well up forward, he does get played there more often. Uh, he didn't have a great one up forward. Looked excellent in the midfield. So hopefully uh, Bevo sees that and goes, all right, fine, we'll chuck him more in the midfield. Uh, looked excellent in that game. So uh, back onto Liber. Uh, didn't play any time forward. He was in that great uh, inside midfielder role. Uh, racking up touches uh, at will, uh, 13 of his 27 were contested, which is about the ratio we expect him to go out, 50%, which is insane. Uh, four tackles as well, and pretty much just ran around the ground doing whatever he pleased. It, like, I can't say a whole lot differently about him. He had 66% disposal efficiency, which isn't great, and still had a 111 supercoach. If you want a mid-pricer, then look no further.
0: And uh, a lot of people on Twitter, uh, you know, saying, "Oh, he's not tackling as much. He's he's not getting his head over the ball like he used to." It's his first bloody hit out, for God's sake! Like, he's still got four tackles. <laughs> yeah, give him a break. Like, he's going to get into it. He's going to get that opportunity. So, um, yeah, I, I I wouldn't be jumping off at this stage. Um, Tim, uh, sorry, Toby McLean we were hoping might bounce back and show some of the 2018 form that he showed at the beginning of the year, but he didn't quite spend as much time in the midfield as we thought and didn't have as many centre-bounce attendances as the likes of a Jack McRae, um, and a Tom Liberatore. And if anything, Libba has caused the likes of a Dunkley and McLean to spend more time in the forward line than they otherwise would have, JB.
1: Yeah, and we can group them together, talk about them together because they will both fought a lot. They're sufficient in the forward line. McLean had 19 disposals, playing a predominantly forward role. Uh, got on the scoreboard as well. Uh, Dunkley did not get on the scoreboard, but both played over 70% time on ground and had enough opportunity to show that they could score up there or be proficient up there or play enough time in the midfield. They did none of that, and I think we should, we should cross both off our lists pretty much for good.
0: I wouldn't say cross them off our list. No, but they're, they're
1: gone. <laughs>
0: Don't consider them. But I think it does... Can't trust probably. From... <laughs> okay, yeah, that's all you need to say. Can't trust Bellow. <laughs> uh, it, it it does call into question exactly what their role is going to be. So um, are we happy forking out over 500 grand for someone that might be playing more forward than midfield? That's what we don't know. So uh, definitely one to keep an eye on. We'll look over on the Sun side of things. We'll touch on their high-priced draft picks to start with. We're seeing Isaac Rankin and Jack Lacocious in quite a lot of teams. I think... This is enough evidence to prove that they're just not going to be high scorers. We already knew they weren't be, and they're just not going to justify their prices. They're probably going to be good players, JB, but at this stage, they're just not ready for our Supercoach sides. Someone that is is Chris Burgess. 68 Supercoach points, bargain basement price, DPP forward defense swing. If he keeps putting up numbers like this, it is just fantastic news for our cash generation.
1: Yeah, and I'm not sure how often he'll have four scoring shots in a match with Gold Coast, but uh, while he's doing it and popping up in the right places, uh, he'll be excellent for Cashgen and should be on pretty much everyone's benches at this point.
0: Yeah, okay. So we'll talk about two mature ages. Talk about Sam Collins and Anthony Miles. We'll start with Sam Collins first. Ninety-three SuperCoach points. The intercepting defender uh, from the VFL is just basically coming and playing that role. We knew he would be at the Suns and. If anything, he's locked himself even further into a lot of uh, sides, and more importantly, probably given us more reason to put him on ground than a few coaches that were putting him on the bench.
1: Yep, had almost a flawless game, uh, 91% disposal efficiency, did rarely see the bench as well, so we could tell that he's definitely going to be in their round one squad. Uh, Off only the 12 disposals, was able to put up 93 supercoach, which think will be an outlier when we look back on it but I can expect an 80 odd average from him I would not be out of the realms of possibility for Sam Collins so definitely locked in my side.
0: Yeah really really happy with what he had to say. uh it- Talk to me about Anthony Miles because he's probably fighting for the same position out of sides that Libba is, and can we get Miles to justify his elevated price tag? I think he's forty grand more expensive than Liber. Uh but obviously there's um, he only played fifty five percent game time, so uh, a limited minutes, but he still seemed to uh, you know really prove that he's going to be a viable option this year
1: yeah and somehow racked up twenty one disposals, twelve of them contested in that fifty five percent time on ground uh sixty eight super coach, which is excellent, showed all the right signs uh but you know him versus Libertorio, like you said, you saved the forty k by going to Liber, and Liber looks like he's going to be doing almost the same thing for the season, so it's hard to split them hopefully j l two of all things, these two guys are actually physically coming up against each other in an actual match <laughs> as well as in our super coach sides. But hopefully JLT two can sort of shed more light on this one. At the moment, I'd give Libertario this slight edge on uh, on miles just for that scoring history that he's got.
0: Yeah, so we've got that history, and we've also got um, that little bit of price difference that also weighs in his favour. The last match of the round, the Dockers and the Pies, the Monday game. JB Pendles is Pendles.
1: Am I right? Yeah, uh Dependabree's back. <laughs> nah, it's just JLT. Yeah. uh they were missing a couple of Colts in the midfield, but he did look great and this six 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 rule will suit him as a midfielder playing uh predominantly midfield time rather than anything off halfback. So uh did look excellent in this game. Just quickly back to the uh the Gold Coast uh Bulldogs game. Did you see that Maddie Suckling goal? No. You have to go back and watch it. It's <laughs> one of the most unbelievable goals I've seen in football. If you if anyone has not seen it I have no idea when it happened during the match, so I'm not helpful there, but it is a must-watch. <laughs> it is such a ridiculous goal. Uh, it should not be possible.
0: Yeah, he, he tends to do things like that, Matty Suckling. Um, <laughs> someone that also does ridiculous things, JB, I'm pretty sure he just had his... Uh, from everything that's been reported, he's had both feet amputated because he's in such uh, you know poor shape from his pre- injury-rattled pre-seasons. Brody Grundy just rolled around and just made... The Dockers look like (laughs) Oz players. Forty (laughs) six hit outs in, um, he he, only fourteen touches going around the ground, but he didn't even really try, and he's still, you know, (laughs) the best ruckman in the game right now.
1: Yeah, and it looked like it was his first hit out in the preseason. He was a little bit sloppy at times, and you know, three clangers, uh, two free kicks against, which I think uh, go together. So one clanger, two free kicks against. And uh, didn't get much of the pill, but still got up to 94 super coach points. So, I mean, see more in jail too, too to make sure that he's the best Ruckman in the game, but I think he's pretty well locked into all of our sides.
0: Yeah, I, I literally can't think of a reason why I wouldn't start him. Uh, a few of the... Collingwood midfielders uh, we do like the idea of starting them maybe a Treloar and Adams who we see as underpriced we didn't know what Dane Beams was going to do in terms of the role but playing as an inside midfielder Dane Beams is just the Dane Beams of old and 25 touches 6 marks and 2 tackles as well as a goal he's just basically what he was before he went to Brisbane and even when he was at Brisbane Dane Beams is just an incredible talent and is there going to be enough points to go around JB that is the question
1: Yeah, that is the question. Uh, We've seen it happen with Sydney and actually happen with the Dane Beams midfield with Collingwood back when he was there. Uh, Players can average 100 plus in the same midfield, whether that be three or four of them is uh, yet to be seen, but uh, Dane Beams is just an incredible talent. It's great to see him enjoying his football at Collingwood and uh, the pre-match interviews were actually pretty excellent with him in it as well, so I think he's just a a genuine good guy and a good football person. I only got the 87 super coach points this game, but you could tell he's just easing into it. He's got too many tattoos to care about the preseason. So, um, you know, it was just a walk in the park and and he sort of performed as we expect.
0: Yeah, sure. The next player I do want to touch on from the Magpie side of things is Darcy Moore. He is that breakout player or that underpriced player that we, uh, think is going to have a good role in 2019 taking some kickouts, playing in the back line. I think he was standing next to Tabanar, so um, definitely towards that back line. But 18 possessions and five marks, it's it's pretty much exactly what we wanted to see other than just making it through the game uninjured.
1: Yep, and he was completely in the defence, uh, playing as a sort of intercept, uh, high-marking player and uh, sort of distributing around the, the back line as well with a few kickouts as well. Had one of the most inefficient first halves of football I've ever seen from a player, and I just about removed him from my side. Uh, kicked a couple out in the full, hit a couple free man players in the chest, but then bounced back with one of the best second halves of football that I've actually seen from a, a, a player in a while. So, uh, ended up with seventy nine super coach points, which I don't know how, considering uh, <laughs> four clangers and you know a, a bunch of just strange possessions from him, a free against as well. So. You know, it just shows how good his second half was. And if he can play, you know, seventy-five percent of the game like he played his second half, then he'll be, you know, up in the eighties of scoring. And such a low price for someone with such high potential.
0: And uh, we'll we'll touch on the last Collingwood uh, player they want to touch on is Isaac Quano. Is that he's just um, he might be in the running for a round one berth but he's just not got that scoring potential that's going to justify his increased price JB. So um, watch him in JLT too but I at this stage wouldn't be considering him for my team because I just don't think he's going to provide the cash gen that we need. Um, So we will jump on over to the Dockers at this uh, this stage. It is quite difficult to find someone that um, is relevant to talk about uh, for us at this time but one of the rookies in our midfield that uh, we have been hoping would do a really, really uh, good job in the JLT is Brett Bewley. Only 39% time on ground, JB, but still managed 13 touches, three marks and four tackles, playing a bit of midfield. We've got to really hope that he's going to be uh, getting a bit more time in JLT too.
1: Yeah, and he looked good. And 48 supercoach points in that little amount of time uh, means hopefully Ross Lyon uh, took note as well and gives him sort of up, up and the upper 60s or 70s in JLT2 two, two, and uh, we see what he can really do and hopefully break into that round one squad.
0: Yeah, and uh, the last thing we'll touch on with A, as I said, there's not a whole lot to talk about. The uh, split between Nathan Wilson and uh, Luke Ryan with the kickouts, mate, what did you make of that?
1: Well, Wilson didn't have his best game, so maybe they were just trying to get him some, uh, some action with the leather, but... Uh, Luke Ryan did play on from his two kick-ins that he had from that game. I believe it was just the two. And played on from one of his 107 kick-ins from last season or or something like that. So he's already doubled his number this year. And if he starts playing on from those kick-ins and and gets a similar number to what he got last year, you can see that average probably tick over a little bit better. And he looks like a a reliable pick as as long as he doesn't have a a second-half drop-off like last year. Uh Wilson is just yeah not really in consideration I, he is a bit of a wild card for me
0: yeah, I'm not so much saying that um, Wilson's going to be in consideration, but um, I think I had uh, Wilson penciled down for four kick-ins, um, of which I think three were played on and for long kicks, so potential to, to rack up 4.5 points, um, whereas Ryan um, only had the two, and that was something that we did touch up in the preseason, that rather than going 50-50, uh, or I think it was 30-30, they had in uh, percentages uh, for kick-ins last year, we thought that Wilson might take a little bit more over Ryan, And that's something that in a very small sample size, let's make that clear, seems to have occurred um, with Wilson taking forward a Ryan's two. So maybe that is going to impact in Ryan's scoring in 2019. Uh, But we won't know until we've seen a little bit more exposed form, but 83 isn't terrible JB, do you have anything more to touch on this game? I think that pretty much wraps up. There's not a whole lot to talk about in terms of the Fremantle Dockers because a lot of the rookies that we uh, were hoping to see, like a Luke Valenti, just uh, didn't get a game.
1: Yeah, uh, just lastly, I know Fife wasn't in this one, but Mundy did look very dominant in that midfield any time I saw him in there. Uh, Did rack up the 19 disposals and 81 supercoach off the 70% time on ground. And for an old man playing that much time on ground, uh, he's rare in JLT, so maybe he took it a little bit easier. Um, F3 is a difficult spot this season. Uh, I do actually really like my a little bit of a point of difference uh, for F3. So um, yeah, thought I'd just touch on that as well.
0: It's also important to note that from his 19 possessions, he had 14 contested possessions. So yeah. he, he's definitely, he's playing midfield. So yeah. that, that's really good for his potential to be a high scorer in 2019.
1: 100%. Sure.
0: All right, JB, that pretty much wraps up the JLT1 podcast. It has been a little bit of a struggle because um, I'm sick, so I apologize that for community, uh, community for my voice goes halfway through the podcast because it has been a bit of a struggle, but we've toughed it out. Uh, JB, it's been fantastic you're having on. If we want to find you during the week, JB, where do we find you?
1: All right, so you can get us all on our Twitters, uh, drsc. Cheezo with the Z underscore D R S C and Pistol underscore D R S C. The main uh, page is Dr underscore SC and uh, that's that's our Twitter handles. Cheezo, anywhere else?
0: Uh, no, pretty much otherwise uh, the Facebook page as always. And if you do want to get onto the uh, Patreon page, get some team reveals and some inside uh, tips and tricks before the start of the season you can find us over there at patreon.com forward slash Dr Hey JB, it's been fantastic you uh, having you on there, mate. Thanks for sticking it out with me. It is, uh, I know, getting late where you are there uh, at the moment, but uh, thanks for sticking it out with me. Great to be on the podcast with you again. And uh, I'll chat to you again soon. Easy. Thanks, mate. No worries. We'll catch you later, community. Thanks for listening.